Well, have you ever looked back at a moment in your life and thought, wow, that was God's timing. God's providential hand was all over that situation. Well, Esther chapter 6 is a chapter just like that, filled with humor, but filled with the unmistakable providence and timing of God, fighting on behalf of his people, putting all the puzzle pieces together, weaving together the tapestry. He does that in Esther 6. He does that in our lives as well, even when we can't see it. More on that today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Satan said to Jesus in Matthew 4, All the kingdoms of the world I'll give to you if you'll bow down and worship me. Do you know that Lucifer or Satan was probably, many scholars believe, some sort of archangel? He had power and position, and he fell because of one word. What's the word? Pride. He wanted to elevate himself really above the stars of God. He wanted to be like the Most High. And you're going to watch now because Haman believes that this is about him. So he's going to start making some royal requests. And this is what he wants. Check it out. He says, now remember, he's thinking about himself. He, he thinks he's the man. He says, well, here's what you should do, king. Let them bring a royal robe, which the king has worn, and the horse on which the king has ridden, and on whose head a royal crown. Most believe that this is a, some sort of uh, uh, crown on the horse or crest on the horse has been placed. So I want a headdress on the horse, a royal robe, uh, we're going to have a royal horse. We're going to have a royal crest on the horse. And royal robes, maybe even the idea of a portent of things to come. Here's what I mean. Maybe in his mind he's thinking, you know, if something happens to you, I'm going to get myself fitted for the royal robes because I'm in line for the throne. I'm number two. Oh, let's see how they feel. Let's see how they fit. Let's imagine myself in the royal robes. I'll walk by a couple of mirrors and see how I look. And so he's making this, these suggestions to the king now. Uh, Jonathan took the royal robes off and gave them to David as a portent of things to come that David would be the king. One writer says, there's some evidence from ancient historians that the Persian royal robes, as well as the king's bed and throne, were believed to have the power to impart the benefit of royalty in an almost magical way, close quote. I don't know if that's what Haman was thinking, but he was you know, planning it out, his royal parade, his dream day. He says, let the robe nine and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble princes, like somebody like Mordecai, and let them array the man whom the king desires to honor and lead him on horseback through the city square. Get ready for it, king. Have another sip of coffee. And proclaim before him, thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desires to honor. Now, how many of you have seen the VeggieTale version of this? If you haven't, oh, come on, people. Parade him through the city and say to everybody, here is a real great guy that the king desires to honor. He's a really great guy. And, and have one of your noble princes say that over and over and over again through the city square. 
And all the while, Haman can't help but imagine that he's in the royal robe, on the royal steed, and being dressed and led about by a man named Mordecai. Perhaps every time that Mordecai says the words, this is a really great guy whom the king decides to honor, then Mordecai bows along with all the people. (laughs) This is all playing in his head. Excellent, excellent timing. I knew getting up early would pay off. Well, it's all set up now. Get your notable princes. Well, you know, I think we'll call this Haman's parade. I think it has a good ring to it. And the king said to Haman, Well, take quickly the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do so for Mordecai the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate, and do not fall short in anything of all that you have said. It sounds good. Do it for Mordecai. <laughs> Can you imagine the facial expression of Haman the hangman? What? It looks like someone just rained on my parade. And not only someone, that terrible Mordecai. He goes out into the city streets, Over the royal closet he goes. Now he has to do for the man that he hates what he thought was going to be done for him. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet in John 13, it would appear that he also washed the feet of Judas Iscariot. And as he washed each each one's feet, there was a lot of tension in that room. People were jockeying for positions. Judas was becoming really a pawn of Satan. The disciples were arguing about which one of them was going to be the greatest. On and on it went. There was all kinds of spiritual warfare and tension. And Jesus showed us what love is supposed to look like. See, we can imagine that all this stuff should be done for us, and then when it gets turned around, and all of a sudden we have to do it for somebody else, but not just somebody else, somebody that we struggle with, somebody that we couldn't imagine, that we would even give the time of day, let alone treat them with love. Jesus said, what credit is it to you if you love those who love you? What different is that than anybody else? But if you love those who hate you, now that is something. Excellent idea, Haman. I think that you've got this down. Why don't you go and do this for Mordecai? He's right over there by the king's gate, where he always is. Have you ever had your words come back to haunt you? Have you ever began to pontificate or wax eloquent about a situation and then it got turned around on you? Well, that is the situation in which Haman finds himself. I'm sure his face fell to the ground. 
And now he would have to do this for his arch enemy. So Haman, if you can imagine the picture, took the robe and the horse. He arrayed Mordecai. And by the way, Mordecai, to our knowledge at this point, still has the uh, sackcloth on, the garments of mourning. Earlier, Esther tried to give him regular clothing and he refused. So get this, Haman gets to take the garments of mourning off of Mordecai and put royal robes on him instead. Now get this, Esther put on the royal robes to go and uh, meet with the king, and she's Jewish. And now Mordecai has been dressed in royalty by his arch enemy who's trying to kill him. And maybe we can now apply Mordecai's words to himself. Perhaps you've come into royalty for such a time as this. Can you imagine being Mordecai? Haman comes over. This is the guy that's always mad that you won't bow to him. And he says, uh, you mind coming with me for a few minutes? Well, what's up? Well, I, I've, I've got to dress you in royal, royal robes and lead you around the city on a, the royal steed with the royal crest. Why? Well, they overlooked something in the royal records. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> click, 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 click. This is the man. Click, 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 click. That the king desires to honor. <laughs> The very thing he wanted all along from Mordecai, he now finds himself doing in front of Mordecai. Talk about a reversal. The religious leaders, the people, we will not have this man to reign over us, they said of Jesus. They would not believe in him. He came to his own and his own would not receive him. They would not bow before him. But the Bible says to Jesus, every knee will bow. And some people that think they will never bow and they've been shaking their fist at Jesus Christ their whole lives, one day will bow because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. They will bow to the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And this picture, I think, you can consider at least a foretaste of that. And there is Haman, the man he wanted to kill, the man that bothered him the most because he would not bow. Now he's bowing before him. God is in the reversal business. And so he went through the city. He put the robe on Mordecai. He led him on horseback through the city square. And I don't know how long it went on, but it sounds like for a while, and proclaimed before him, thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desires to honor. Thus it shall be done for the man that the king desires to honor. Talk about falling from your imagined high horse. Talk about eating crow. Talk about it raining on your parade, cats and dogs, or more like hail. You see, when you fight God, this is what happens. All day long, over and over, New Living Translation. 
This is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Did you know God's name is not mentioned once in the book of Esther, but his fingerprints are all over it? The famous verse, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this, tells us that Mordecai sensed God moving in the darkest of times. This is a story about ordinary, everyday people taking a stand and becoming vessels through which God saved a nation. The story is filled with satire and seriousness, but it ends with celebration as God turns things around for good as only He can. Get your copy of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching of the entire book of Esther for such a time as this. Yours as a thank you for your financial gift of $30 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And they've been shaking their fist at Jesus Christ their whole lives. One day will bow because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. They will bow to the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And this picture, I think, you can consider at least a foretaste of that. And there is Haman, the man he wanted to kill, the man that bothered him the most because he would not bow. Now he's bowing before him. God is in the reversal business. And so he went through the city. He put the robe on Mordecai. He led him on horseback through the city square. And I don't know how long it went on, but it sounds like for a while. And proclaimed before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desires to honor. Thus it shall be done for the man that the king desires to honor. Talk about falling from your imagined high horse. Talk about eating crow. Talk about it raining on your parade, cats and dogs, or more like hail. You see, when you fight God, this is what happens. All day long, over and over, New Living Translation. This is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor. And then Mordecai returned to the king's gate. It's almost like Mordecai was unaffected by the whole thing. Maybe he was wondering the whole time, what's going on? But Haman hurried home, mourning with his head covered. See, the Jews were mourning after uh, Haman had gotten the king to sign that terrible edict. Now Haman's mourning with his head covered. He's in mourning. He's taking the walk of shame. He hurried home. He had to endure this whole thing. The Jews had been mourning because of Haman. Now he was mourning. A poetic divine turnaround. He takes off Mordecai's sackcloth, but now, in essence, he has it on. Meanwhile, back on the ground, Haman is going wee, 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 all the way home. <laughs> or more like wah, 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 all the way home. Can you imagine coming, he comes to the door. Remember, it wasn't long ago that he was telling his friends and wife <clears throat> how powerful and popular he had become. Yeah, the king, you know, I, I, yeah, I've become, yeah, I'm the number two in Persia. And oh, yeah, I got invited over to dinner, just me, the king, and the queen. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I'm going back tomorrow night. Man, I'm popular. Man, things are going well. 
And Haman this time recounted to Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. Then his wise men, I don't know if that's like a, <laughs> a, a crack at these guys, and Zeresh, his wife, said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish origin or seed, you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. Everybody, mark in your Bible, you will surely fall before him because that is a divine turnaround. The man to whom he wanted him to bow, now his wife and friends say, you're going to fall before him. That is an amazing turnaround. A funny thing happened after I built the gallows and arrived at the palace this morning. You won't believe it, honey. I had to lead this guy all over town. I'm filled with shame. And the wife and the counselors or friends say, if he's of Jewish origin, you will not overcome him. You will surely fall before him. Now, some of you are wondering, how much do these people know about Mordecai and the, the plot against the Jews? Is, is the king completely ignorant of what people uh, he was talking about when he asked the king to sign the edict? I don't know how much the king actually knows. It seems like they knew he was a Jew at the, in the previous chapter, but now it's like they're saying, oh, if he's of Jewish origin, and maybe it's because of the long battle between the, the Jews and the Amalekites and God always being on the side of the Jewish people, and maybe they're seeing maybe the divine uh, fingerprints or the writing on the wall, and they're saying, oh, if this is how your day went, uh, oops, sorry, honey, bad advice. Uh, you shouldn't have built the gallows. Uh, because he's a Jew and God's fighting for him and you're going down. Well, when God is fighting for you, you're not going to lose ultimately. If God is for you, who can be against you? Oh, I know we have an enemy that's strong and I know we have to put on the armor of God, but you know our enemy? We already know what his destiny is, right? He's going to be in the lake of fire forever and ever. See, his work is going to stop. He's trying to take as many as he can with him now, but one day he will be dealt with forever. The very thing Haman always wanted Mordecai to do before him will happen in the reverse. In the course of 24 hours, Haman will be disgraced and dead, all because he chose to fight God. Life can change in a moment. You can think that you're going great or you can think you can go, you're going terrible and God has a way of turning things around. I heard a story of a man who was uh, driving, I think, in Texas and he was in an automobile accident and he was knocked unconscious. And so uh, uh, a good Samaritan was passing by and noticed the accident and the man was still unconscious. So he, he took the man, carefully put him in the backseat of his car and tried to, to go somewhere to find help. And he found a local gas station and he pulled in there. The man was still out in the backseat of the car. And so he ran into the store to try to get some help. And the man who was, had been in the accident came to, he's in the backseat of this car. And you know the last thing he remembers is the cr crashing of glass and everything, disoriented. And he looks up and it happened to be a Shell gas station where the man had pulled in, but the S on the sign had flickered out. And so it said, hell, open 24 hours a day. <laughs> Till the man came back with a Snickers bar and it was all right. Anyway, 
How many people do you think are like Haman's going about their life, pulling some shenanigans, coming up with some evil plots, and all of a sudden, they end up leaving the planet and they stand before the God of the universe. It doesn't take but one heartbeat to end up like Haman. And there's no evidence that he repented. And the final verse for tonight says, while they were still talking with him, so the back and forth, the king's eunuchs arrived and hastily, note that word, hastily brought Haman to the banquet, banquet number two with the queen, which Esther had prepared. And just when the story is getting good, you're going to have to come back next week. Same bat time, same bat station, because our time is done. But I'll tell you this, it's not going to go well for Haman because God is faithful. And God is keeping his word on a covenant that he made with the Jewish people where he promised that what he started with Abram, he would finish. He made an unconditional covenant. And God has made a covenant with you. If you're a Christian, you're in a new covenant. God says, what I began in you, I will finish. He who began a good work in you will complete it till the day of Christ. And brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what comes at you in this life, whether it's angels, principalities, powers, height, depth, uh, you know, all those things that are listed in Romans 8. Nothing will ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing. No devil, no person, no circumstance, no failure, whatever you're facing tonight. God is working. Oftentimes I can look back in my life and see the dots connected. I don't always see them in the moment, and sometimes God works in ways that are not always easy to see, but his divine fingerprints are all over your life if you belong to Christ. He loves you. And what he never hides is his love that he put on display at the cross. That's where he demonstrated his love for you in this, that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. He is going to finish what he started. So hang on. Even when you don't get it, even when the horrible Hamans seem to be getting their way, even when there seems to be these evil, twisted plans against us. God is stronger, and God will win the day. Amen? Amen? Father, thank you so much for this section tonight. There's humor in it. There's uh, some irony. There's some uh, serious moments as well. But the biggest thing I think we can learn tonight is that when life can look the darkest, you are still working. When the clouds are above us, the sun is still shining. And thank you that you are ever faithful to finish what you started in us, God, even through the toughest seasons. And <clears throat> if you're here tonight and you, uh, maybe you're just in a tough season and maybe it seems like everything's been going haywire and you need a reversal from God, I pray that he would grant that to you. I pray that you'd have faith to wait until that time is perfect in his sovereignty and providence. Lord, teach us to wait on you, to walk with you, to walk by faith and not by sight. <clears throat> but I pray that this chapter will give us uh, encouragement and hope, 
when things are not going the way we'd like. And if you're not a Christian, I would just encourage you tonight to reach out to Jesus. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Tell him that you believe he died on that cross for you and rose from the dead and trust in him and him alone for your salvation. And just make a commitment tonight or maybe a recommitment to walk with him, to trust him, because in the end, you will be on the winning side. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, trusting in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, his finished work on the cross, who he claimed to be, his triumphant resurrection over death itself, to become a new creation in Christ Jesus, man, that is the best decision you can ever make. If you have questions, reach out to us today at walkintruth.com. Well, I hope that today's message and the entire book of Esther, this powerful book, has been an encouragement to you and your walk with Jesus Christ. My name is Pastor Michael Lance, and I wanted to be able to have you hear the last part of Esther chapter 6. But since it's Holy Week, we're going to take a break from the book of Esther, and we're going to get into the Holy Week teaching. We're going to have the rest of the week focused on Jesus's road to Calvary. Tomorrow, you're going to hear from a powerful series that we did not too long ago called The Passion of the Christ. In it, you're going to hear from actor Jim Caviezel about his experience of playing Jesus Christ in the film The Passion of the Christ. Also, how his experience was nothing compared to what the Lord Jesus Christ went through, of course, to sacrifice himself for our sins. We're going to begin that message tomorrow, so make sure you tune in, tell a friend what you're hearing, and until then, God bless you. We'll catch you there. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.